greatest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production.
Listen to this crowd. Hulk Hogan wants the Macho Man to step to the ring. Earlier, the Macho Man sent Elizabeth in to ask the Hulkster on behalf of the Macho Man why the Hulkster doesn't face anyone with credibility. Look at this. Elizabeth. Fantastic shape. Hogan's never looked better than he does right now. He really made short work of Rusty Brooks. That match, I don't think, lasted more than a couple of The winner of this bout, the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Champion, Hulk Hogan! All
Hello and welcome to the Hogan Era Podcast. I am your host here, JP John Potts, part of the two-man power trip of wrestling podcasting empire right here on the TMPT feed. Here each and every week on the Hogan Era Podcast, talking about the greatest era ever in the history of the wrestling business, 1984 to 1993. Of course, that is the golden era of wrestling, the Hogan Era. So here each and every week on the show, talking about the Hogan Era, including the greatest matches, moments, and feuds ever in the history of the business. Of course, all predicating in that era from 1984 to 1993, the era that made Vince McMahon a retired billionaire. We'll see if he's still retired after uh, after all this. If you've paid attention to the, uh, the news lately, um, the investigation is over. Everything is kind of wrapped up. It ended up being $19.4 million that Vince ended up, I guess, really, I mean, it was really his own money. It's not, it didn't cost, I saw somebody put a cost WWE. It didn't cost WWE anything. It was his own money that he kind of made the books look better with. I mean, it's more complicated than I'm not going to get into it, but let's just say it was $19.4 million that was paid out. And, you know, that is that. So, and now the investigation is over. Does that mean he's on his way back? Very interesting. We'd love to kind of see how that develops. Technically speaking, he's still the owner. He may be retired, quote unquote, but he's still the owner of the company and still controls the board and still has the most shares. So very interesting that Triple H is kind of running things, but I wonder where that leaves Vince right now. But of course, there would be no Vince. There would be no Triple H error right now. There'd be none of that if there was no Hulk Hogan. If the immortal Hulk Hogan did not exist, we wouldn't even be talking probably right now, to be honest. I mean, he did so much for the business and he was such a big draw for the business. And it was just amazing to see what he was able to do with the professional wrestling business. Yes, of course, there was big draws before him, but nobody quite as big as the Hulkster and nobody that had the longevity of the Hulkster. When you look at it and we say this kind of each and here, each and every week here on the show, you have all these great guys, you have all these great talents, you have Vince McMahon at the helm. What do you need? Like, how, how do you succeed? How do you become the number one company? How do you blow everybody else out of the water? You need that tippy top guy on top of the mountain, and then you need the guys under him to work with. So you need the Batman, so to speak, on top. Then you need the Jokers, the Penguins, you know, maybe even some Robins mixed in there as well, some Alfreds. But, you, you know, you need those big time heels, the two faces of the world, the Mr. Freezes of the world. You need those big bad wolves to face the Batman. Of course, Hogan being Batman and guys like Roddy Piper, Macho Man, Andre the Giant, Big Boss Man, Akeem, Kamala, The Undertaker, Ric Flair, Sid Vicious. I mean, we've talked about so many different guys on the show. Those are the guys that would be the, the jokers of the crew, if you will. Those are the guys that are giving Hogan these great feuds and these great moments and these great matches because if Hogan's not out there slaying giants and, and killing all these tough heels that are very perceived as being you know guys that could take him down and take him out and how fun is that i mean it's kind of boring you're not really interested but of course you need those guys that are going to bring hogan to that next level make it very interesting but of course in the end hogan's going to win and you want hogan to win and you're rooting for hogan to win against all these guys so it is very very important to have the Macho Man to the Pipers and the Paul Orndorff of the world, because then, you know, you're probably not making good business, you're not making money. So if you just look at the history of wrestling, good versus evil, good guy versus bad guy, feuds, that is what draws money. Personal issues, as we've seen on uh, Tales from Territory many times, personal issues draw money, and that's what does it. But while you're doing that, and while you're, you're you know, you're building to that, you can't have 
Hogan Orndorff on every card and every feud and have these matches always kind of be there because it's like, I don't know, you, you want to build to that. You want to get to that level through a process. It's it's not just, oh, Hogan's going to fight this guy and that's Dan. You want to have some sort of build to it. That what, That's what makes it the best. That's what where you're going to make your most money. For instance, Hogan and Savage, WrestleMania 5, guess what? It was built for over a year, really, maybe even longer than that, at WrestleMania 4 and, and earlier when you start having the mega powers and then you have the mega powers explode. So, you know, you're building to that big moment of Hogan and Savage. You're building to the big event with Hogan and Orndorff after Orndorff turns on Hogan. You're building to WrestleMania 3 with Hogan and Andre, 93,000 people in the Pontiac Silverdome in Michigan. So, to me, that is the key. And how do you get there? How do you do those building blocks? Very interesting. Very easy to me. It's, when you have the Hulkster, of course, you know, you have all these house show matches, you have all these TV matches, you know, Hogan's not on TV too much. And obviously he's kind of the, the main event of most of those house shows and really drawing the houses, but you have to have the other matches just to have Hogan on TV, but you don't necessarily want him to beat your top guys on these TV shows. You want to build to those house shows or you want to build to those big pay-per-views or those really big standalone shows to have Hogan beat those big names. That's where you draw the big money. So that's why when you have Hogan and he's appearing on all-star wrestling or he's appearing on championship wrestling in 84 and 85, you want him facing other guys, other wrestlers, you know, guys that, that he could you know easily beat, but that, you'll garner some interest and have people wanting to see the Hulkster. Sure. He'll, you know, beat, beat a guy in a few minutes or, or maybe it'll be a squash match, so to speak, but you're interested because it's Hulkster. You're interested in what's going to happen after the match. You know, you're, you're very, very intrigued with the Hulkster. I mean, you just want to see him. You want to watch him. You want to see him in action and whether he's going to squash the guy or not, you're just interested in kind of seeing where that next level of the story will take you. You know, that he's going to beat that guy and whoever that enhancement guy is, or that, that job guy, whatever you want to call him, you know, he's going to get the win, but you want to see kind of what happens afterwards. And you'll hear a clip in the beginning of the show here. And at the end of the show of the matches I'm talking about, and the guys that I wanted to get into today, just because it's just so interesting to think about it, that Terry Gibbs and Rusty Brooks, guys that are considered enhancement guys, job guys, carpenters, whatever you want to say, they are, not, you know, big name guys. They're not getting the action figures. They're not big draws. I mean, they were on the indie scene and, you know, some of the uh, the outlaw shows, if you will, or the really in, in some of the territories and some of these other promotions, they might have been big deals or, or good guys. But when you come to the WWF, obviously speaking, these were not too big names or too big legendary wrestlers or guys that you would think of as, as these big stars. They're just guys on TV getting these awesome experiences in these awesome matches but they're used as enhancement they're carpenters if you will you know they're, they're just you know quote-unquote job guys and they're going to take the loss and you're going to move on but it's just so intriguing to me that hogan is defending the title against these guys i mean nowadays are you going to put roman reigns in the ring against you know certain guys that are that are enhancement guys and can call them world title matches probably not and even later on during the, the hogan era it really didn't happen too much either but here in 84 and 85 when they're kind of just i guess you could say experimenting with the immortal hulk hogan i mean they're and this run it's interesting to see who is getting title shots and it's crazy to think, and I know Terry Gibbs got tag team title shots against the Bulldogs and things like that, but it's crazy to think that he's going to get a title match. So 
I mean, obviously there's no chance of him winning, but it's really, really a, a fun show and really just an interesting match. And I, I know I, you like short matches sometimes. You don't always need these long matches. You don't always need these great feuds. Just get it, bing, bang, boom, get out, get, accomplish something, have Hogan look super strong, have him be the champion, and build to your next feud or build to your next moment. Before I get into that, let's talk a little bit about Terry Gibbs. Obviously, you know, made a name for himself in ICW for the Pafos, NWA Tri-State, NWA Central States. He was in WWC in Puerto Rico. Uh, he was actually heavyweight champion in Puerto Rico for the WWC and had a little brief feud with King Taga, a.k.a. Haku down there. Actually was also a tag title, tag champion with Buddy Landell. So, you know, outside of WWF, you know, he had, had a hell of a had a hell of a career and a hell of a run. It's just, you know, in the WWF, he's not anything to uh, to write home about. But still, if you look at him and look at his career, a lot of stuff to be proud of. And you don't necessarily have to be a great wrestler in WWF you have to be uh, well-known or be a great wrestler. I think you had a nice career, of course. So just got to mention, you know, a nice little run there in WWC in Puerto Rico and obviously in several territories throughout his career. Really, um, in 19, basically, you could say like the mid eighties, I guess you'd say, but I guess we'll, we'll, we'll give an exact date here. 11, 10, 1984. He makes his WBF debut. And it was from the Philadelphia spectrum in Philly PA. He defeats Jose Luis Rivera in about seven minutes on the prism network. So he gets a nice TV win to start off his career. And then after that, he basically will lose to slaughter, uh, lose to snucka, uh, excuse me, Jimmy snucka and the Tonga kid in a tag match will lose to Windham and Rotunda, Mr. Wrestling 2, Blackjack Mulligan, Rocky Johnson, Tony Atlas, Paul Orndorff, the Briscoe brothers, Bret Hart. I mean, uh, very interesting stuff. And just to throw us out there, because we will be talking about Rusty Brooks in a second, Rusty Brooks and Terry Gibbs actually teamed up. It was on Championship Wrestling TV from the Mid-Hudson Civic Center in Poughkeepsie, New York, 12-4-1984. Jimmy Snook and Tom and Kid defeated Brooks and Gibbs in about three minutes. A really interesting little tie-in there uh, to this episode. So very, very intriguing there. Um, as he would go along, of course, he's losing to Tony Atlas. And then here, the big moment occurs, 12-16-1984. And, oh, nowadays we'd go crazy. What did he do to deserve a title shot? Didn't deserve a title shot. But they just threw it out there. If Hogan's wrestling, why not just throw it out there and say he's for the championship? You know he's not going to lose. Really should not have been a title match, but it was. It was a title match. 12-16-1984. WBF All-Star Wrestling TV show from London Gardens in London, Ontario, Canada. Hulk Hogan defeats Terry Gibbs in three minutes. Then we go to a later on in the show for a future taping of all-star wrestling Wyndham and rotundo defeated bobby bass and terry gibbs very interesting kind of look at that if you just think about it it's like wow he's getting all these big high profile matches but he's not really winning too many matches and he's not like this this big star or anything so it's nothing i don't know nothing crazy but let's not like look into it too much and, and think it's uh, more than kind kind of what it is, uh, really, if you think about it. But um, also to note here, just to talk about Bobby Bass, he was featured on the Stampede episode of Tales from the Territory. So little tie in there to Tales from the Territory for Mr. Bobby Bass. Very uh, intriguing that he's on that show. And I talked to Evan Hudson and he said that was actually a recommendation of Brett the Hitman Hart. So that's why he was on that show. Speaking of Bret Hart, 12-30-1984, Bret Hart defeats Terry Gibbs in 11 minutes. So he gets a long match here in the Maple Leafs Garden in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. As we go through 1985, he's losing matches to Moondog Rex, Dick Murdoch. He's getting some wins over Bob Bradley and stuff. So 
yes, he is dropping out a lot, but he is getting wins over the lesser guys that are that are out there. Jimmy Jackson, he gets a win, so he is getting some victories here in in, in the WWF, which is surprising. He beats Steve Lombardi, aka the Brooklyn Brawler. He's having a draw with Rick McGraw, so um, he's not actually. A, a total job guy, so to speak. I mean, he's getting a bunch of wins over Steve Lombardi here in 85. But as you kind of go through and go to 3-3, 85, Rene Goulet and Terry Gibbs lose in two minutes and 30 seconds on All-Star Wrestling from Brantford, Ontario, Canada, to the tag team champions, Wyndham and Rotunda. So he gets a title shot there. He loses to Steamboat the following night, Junkyard Dog, SD Jones, the Killer Bees, David San Martino, Pedro Morales, Dan Spivey, George Decano, a.k.a. the Cobra, Spivey and Orndorff. So very interesting stuff. And again, the tag team of Rusty Brooks and Terry Gibbs comes up 11, 12, 1985 championship wrestling TV taping from the mid Hudson Civic Center in Poughkeepsie, New York. Spivey and Orndorff get the win in about three minutes over them. So interesting. They're teaming a few times here. Taking a loss to Jim Brunzel, Haku, who's obviously, I mentioned, was a feud of his in Puerto Rico. He's losing to Scott McGee, the legendary Florida wrestler, the, uh, legendary Scott McGee. He's taking a bunch of losses as we kind of go through and we're ending 1985, entering in 1986, losing to the Bulldogs, George Animal Steel, again, Junkyard Dog, Hillbilly Jim, Uncle Elmer, S.D. Jones again, Siva Afi, Ted Arcidi. I mean, these are some big names he's in there with, taking some losses. The Rougeau brothers, B. Brian Blair, Paul Roma, Jim Powers. Now, Jose Luis Rivera getting his win back from two years earlier. He's shooting Billy, uh, fighting Billy Jack Haynes and losing. He's got a TV match teaming up with Roger Kirby, losing to Steamboat and Siva Afi from the number one, the superstars taping of the first order there in the Civic Center in Providence, Rhode Island. That was on 8-26-1986, so part of the first superstars taping, which is pretty big time. He loses then, of course, eventually a few weeks later, Iron Mike Sharp. Tom McGee, the legendary Tom McGee, gets a bunch of matches against him, and he takes the the loss in all of those. Jerry Allen and Terry Gibbs are having matches, a lot more matches with with uh, Tom McGee again. He's losing to Jim Duggan on 4-24-1987. Yes, still there. Loses an Intercontinental title match to Ricky the Dragon Steamboat in New Haven, Connecticut. So it's interesting. Man, he is there for four years, and it's not like he's not being used. He is being used a ton Obviously taking a lot of losses, but man, Terry Gibbs was used a lot from the WBF from 1984 to 1988. Even sprinkles in some wins once in a while before taking some more losses to David San Martino, Brad Reagans, Bam Bam Bigelow, Rick Martell, Tito Santana, Jake the Snake Roberts, the Ultimate Warrior, Sam Houston, Brady Boone. So it's just uh, what a run there. I mean, man, I mean, you're losing a lot, then you're getting a tag team title match again rick gathner and terry gibbs lose in three minutes to strike force with the tag team champions at that point 12 9 1987 fort myers florida then he loses to macho man randy savage loses to scott casey lanny poffo again another tag title match with the um, the strike force this time on wrestling challenge losing to barry horowitz excuse me with barry horowitz losing to strike force faces macho man again on, on superstars he faces the Bulldogs on Wrestling Challenge, teaming up with Iron Mike Sharp, and they take the loss. Another superstar statement. So, I mean, he's getting a lot of TV time. And really, I mean, four straight years of wrestling and a ton of TV time. Can't knock it. Really can't. Terry Gibbs, a nice little run there in the WWF. His last match, of course, 7-25-1988 for the WWF during the Hogan era. And he loses to the Blue Angel, a.k.a. the Blue Blazer, a.k.a. Owen Hart in Pulaski, 
New York. So that's really it on Terry Gibbs. Let's talk about Rusty Brooks. First match, 9-11-1984, WBF Championship Wrestling, McKit. Excuse me, easy for me to say. Mid-Hudson Civic Center in Poughkeepsie, New York. Andre the Giant defeats Rusty Brooks in three minutes. Then he would face the Moondogs, the Fabulous Freebirds, Blackjack Mulligan, like I mentioned before, Snooka and Tonga teaming up with Terry Gibbs to lose to them. Teaming up with Charlie Fulton, losing to Wyndham and Rotundo. Then he loses to Junkyard Dog. Again, I mentioned the tag title match. He loses to Wyndham and Rotundo. Then again, he is facing Ricky Steamboat on 3-26-85 Championship Wrestling, again from Poughkeepsie, New York. Steamboat defeats Rusty Brooks in about three minutes. Then the Missing Link, the Killer Bees, the British Bulldogs, Tony Parisi, Cousin Junior, all getting in on the fun. And then a very well-known world title match. WBF Championship Wrestling for the Mid-Hudson Civic Center, Poughkeepsie, New York. 10-22-1985, Hulk Hogan defeats Rusty Brooks, basically less than a minute, but man, he's getting a WWF world title match in the Hogan era. So in 84 and 85, Hogan is defending the title against Rusty Brooks and Terry Gibbs. Who would have known? Then to follow that up, he's got matches against S.G. Jones, Paul Roma, King Tonga, Steamboat again, Corporal Kirshner, Dan Spivey, Pedro Morales, George Wells. Um, also, then he gets a tag title match, 12-6-1988. Demolition defeated Iron Mike Sharp and Rusty Brooks, 2 minutes, 30 seconds, part of Superstar Staping 120 from the Ocean Center in Daytona Beach, Florida. Then his final match in the WWF during the Hogan era, 12-7-1988. Jake Roberts defeated Rusty Brooks, 2 minutes, 15 seconds, Sundome in Tampa, Florida, Wrestling Challenge 121. So just an interesting thing there, and just to know Rusty Brooks, of course, trained by the legendary Boris Malenko. He had quite a run you know, down there in Florida. Obviously, he wrestled primarily in WBF from 1984 to 1988, much like Terry Gibbs. They obviously shared a lot of ring time together, being tag partners a few times, but they shared that WBF ring as a job guy, enhancement guy. Important piece of the puzzle there in the WBF, and that was kind of uh, the model back then. You needed the enhancement guys. You needed those quote-unquote job guys or enhancement talent to help these other guys get over and look strong on TV as they're building towards bigger TV shows, bigger pay-per-view event, events, bigger standalone events, and, of course, bigger house shows. He, of course, was in the Herb Abram version of the UWF, had matches with Bam Bam Bigelow and B. Brian Blair. So you think these guys, you know, maybe in a vacuum and like, wow, they were job guys in the WWF, but they had pretty damn good careers and they had pretty nice runs outside of the WWF. Of course, when you come to the WWF, it's a whole new world, it's a whole new venture, but those enhancement guys, especially during that era, were a very, very important key cog in the wheel, and you can't mention those guys without mentioning very important guys like Rusty Brooks and Terry Gibbs, who crazily enough, oddly enough, got WWF championship matches in 1984 and in 1985. So let's hit the bricks here, folks. Let's head towards the finish. As we wind it down and head towards the plugs, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website tmptempire.com. Check out Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. Please check out tpublic, tpublic.com slash stores slash tmpt and get your Hogan era shirt. Nice hot seller there. Great stuff. Love seeing, you know, those uh, those sell, which is always nice and always fun. Always go to and also go to Pro Wrestling Tees, ProWrestlingTees.com and visit the two-man power trip of wrestling store there as well. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you right back here next week for the Hogan Era podcast. We'll see you next week, folks. 
This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip where the power lies brother. Ladies and gentlemen, this match, one fall with a 10-minute time limit. Introducing first, from Tampa, Florida, weighing 240 pounds, Terry Gibbs. His opponent, now about to approach the ring area from Venice Beach, California, weighing 302 pounds, the World Wrestling Federation champion, the incredible Hulk Hogan. Nothing but excitement when he walks into a building. Hulk Hogan, your WWF heavyweight champion. You know, the, man, the man's over 300 pounds, not one ounce of fat on him, Jeff. He's a very dedicated man, not only in the ring, but out of the ring as well. He carries that championship belt with uh, high esteem. Ah, what's this? Wait, what's Wait this? a minute here. Maybe uh, Lester's Johnny's on a what's scouting. What's Valiant list? and Beefcake doing out here? What are you doing here? Yeah, we'll make sure. Hulk Hogan applying a side headlock right now on Terry Gibbs. And he's got quite a tremendous audience in attendance, including Brutus Beefcake and his manager, Luscious Johnny Valiant. He does everything with so much excitement and charisma. Hogan pulling his opponent. And Terry Gibbs is a very formidable opponent, I might say. Side headlock being applied by the Hulkster. Hulkamania. Look at under those powerful pythons. He's got that head. I guess uh, Hulk was a little worried about uh, Luscious Johnny and Beefcake. Terry Gibbs with a couple of right hands catching Hogan as Hogan was backing away on the break. On John Manello's break. Right between the break. Sure did. Right behind the referee's back. Gibbs right now. With a double fist to the back. 
Now to the sternum area. He better cover Hulk Hogan. Listen to the tremendous throng. Yeah, Gibbs right now trying for a press. Nothing doing. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Gibbs pawning away. Hollering obscenities at Hogan. Here comes Hogan back now. With a left-right combination and a whip. Oh, and he oh. caught him good. Oh, he caught him perfect. Gibbs is Every, down. Everything's going Hulk's way right now. He caught him coming off the neutral corner. Oh, boy, that'll press. Three count. That's all. Boy, when you talk about excitement, when you talk about action, the World Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion, Hulk Hogan, that's his middle name, Mr. Excitement. Boy, a man with 22-inch arms and probably about a 32, 33-inch waist. What a epitome of an athlete. Right now, let's go up to the ring and get the official decision. The winner of the match, the World Wrestling Federation champion, the incredible Hulk Hogan. There's your champion, ladies and gentlemen. What a champion he is, Hulk Hogan. This is Jack Reynolds along with Angelo Mosca. We'll be back.